there are in our world today a great many people who think of Jesus Christ as someone who belongs to history, like Caesar or Washington or Napoleon. They think of Jesus as one who lived on this earth and passed away. A great man, to be sure, but nothing more. There are some who look upon His sacrifice as a very affecting sacrifice. And they look upon it as an inspiration. They see Jesus as a wise teacher. But beyond that, Jesus Christ is not really significant for them. Over the years, too many people have pretty much reduced their Christianity to nothing more than admiration of Jesus. An admiration that's taken for granted as easy and natural and to be expected. There are a lot of folks that consent to that. They admire Jesus' character. But beyond admiring Jesus' character, that's really about all the Christianity that they have. Beloved, in these uncertain days that we're living through right now, it should be evident that it's not enough to just admire Jesus Christ. You see... Jesus is not like a beautiful sunset. Where you look at the beautiful sunset with its gold and its orange and its amber and its red, and you say, oh, that is so lovely. Jesus is more than something to be admired the way we would admire a sunset. Take a look. Take a close look at our generation. Take a close look at the world we are living in. We're outdoing beasts in beastliness. Man's inhumanity to man is greater than it's been at any point in our lives. And sometimes if we look in our own lives, We'll see even in our own lives that they are stained with the outward evil that we deplore. There is one answer. And only one answer for our world and for our nation. And the answer for our world and of our nation is to take Jesus Christ seriously. People like me and you We've got to become personally acquainted with Jesus Christ. You see, when we cultivate a personal friendship with Jesus Christ, no life, no matter how messy it is, no life is too much of a mess for Jesus Jesus can straighten out the messiest life. And you know what else He can do? He can keep it straightened out. 
There is no problem Jesus can't handle. But we've got to have closeness with Jesus. We've got to have communion with Jesus like we would our earthly friends. We've got to go to our Father in prayer through Jesus and let Jesus speak to us through God's Word. And when we have communion with Jesus, when we come to personally know the same Jesus Christ whose words are recorded here in this Bible, the Jesus that walked the dusty roads of Palestine 2,000 years ago, I don't mean that we just treasure His words. And I don't mean that we just try to follow His example. We need to come to know Jesus Christ and be able to ask for His help, His guidance in our everyday life. When we come to know Jesus, and when we take Jesus seriously, no single event in our lives will ever be faced alone. Neither sorrow nor bereavement, pain nor loneliness, joy, laughter, pleasure, fun, none of those will ever be faced alone when we take Jesus Christ seriously. Luke's Gospel story tells us about an incident that occurs after Simon had actually come to know Jesus. Simon had met Jesus Simon had even invited Jesus into his own home. Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever and Jesus healed her. But in our text in Luke chapter 5, Simon and his brother Andrew, and obviously from the context their fishing partners, James and John, had been fishing. They hadn't caught anything. They had brought their ships to the shore. They were on the shore, seaside, washing their nets. The crowd was pressing in on Jesus. They were wanting to be taught by Jesus. And Jesus commandeered Simon's boat and pushed it out a little bit from the shore. And He used that boat for a pulpit that day and He taught the multitudes of people. When Jesus finished teaching that day, He told Simon, He said, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down the nets for a great draft of fishes. Simon looked at Him and He said, Lord, now you, you think about this. He's tired. He's weary. He said, Lord, we toiled all night. And we didn't catch anything. But if you tell me to, I'll go out into the deep and I'll let down the nets. Well, that's what Jesus told him to do. So he went out into the deep water, let down the nets, caught so many fish that the nets started to break. They called to their partners, James and John, they brought their boats. And they actually filled both boats with fish. 
And Simon saw all those fish. And he fell down at Jesus' knees and he looked up at Him and he said, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Now to be sure, at first blush that seems to be a strange response to the Master, doesn't it? To become acquainted with the most glorious character that's ever come to the earth, And as Dr. Moffat translates the passage, Lord, leave me. I'm a sinful man. It seems a bit strange. What kind of response is that? To the beauty and to the strength of Jesus. But on second thought, that is taking Jesus seriously. Without realizing our sinfulness in the presence of Jesus, there's no such thing as taking Jesus seriously. When in any real and earnest way we see Christ, if we know ourselves at all, our first response is not a satisfied admiration, adoration, or worship. Our first response is a cry from the depths of our conscience like that that Simon had. Go away from me, Lord. You disturb me. I don't belong in Your scale of life, Lord. Leave me, Lord. Leave me. I'm a sinful man. In the presence of Jesus, realizing our sinfulness, that is taking Jesus seriously. And if we're going to take Jesus seriously, we've got to start where Simon started. Lord, leave me. I'm a sinful man. What does it mean to take Jesus seriously? Well, we think about the example of Jesus. We think about the teachings of Jesus. And it's not hard to find someone who does not admire the teachings of Jesus. It's difficult. It's difficult to find anyone that doesn't admire the teachings of Jesus. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. We've got it recorded for us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus has what we refer to as the Beatitudes there. Blessed are the poor in spirit, they shall see God. Blessed are those that are hungry and thirsty after righteousness, they're going to be filled. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said, they're going to inherit the earth. Then in that Sermon on the Mount, He says... You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And then he has such teachings as as he tells us to to love our neighbors the way we love ourselves. To love our enemies. He has such profound things there as he tells us to treat other people the way that we would want to be treated. He gives us instruction on prayer. Over the years, a lot of our preaching has consisted in texts that are found in that Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's there that we find the little song we learned in Sunday school about the wise man building his house upon the rock and the foolish man building his house upon the sand. I'm not going to sing it for you, but you remember it. 
The ethical precepts of Jesus outlined in the Sermon on the Mount are noble ideas. He even tells us there how much God cares for us. That God cares much more for us than He does the flowers of the field, the birds, the air. Speaking for myself, I could not preach a sermon of that caliber and that quality a sermon on the level of that sermon if my life depended on it. The Sermon on the Mount is noble. And that's part of the problem. Because reading the Sermon on the Mount, we sometimes feel, I think, like someone who's mentally challenged would feel trying to read a university catalog. Because we read the Sermon on the Mount and we make a comparison of our own lives to the ethical precepts that Jesus has in that Sermon on the Mount. And the contrast is disproportionate and appalling oftentimes. If we don't feel that way about the Sermon on the Mount, then maybe we've never really taken it seriously. Or we think about the personal example Jesus left us. And we often say smoothly and easily, well, being a Christian means that Jesus is our ideal and we should follow in His steps. And if you remember, it was the man in our text that wrote that. Because it was in his epistle that Peter says, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. We have to remember, Simon didn't write that early in his walk with Jesus Christ. He did not say that at first. He said that after many years of taking Jesus seriously. At first he said, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. At the very beginning, he saw the great gulf that separated his life from the life of Christ. He just flatly told Jesus to leave him alone. If we're going to take Jesus Christ seriously, we must let the Spirit of Jesus Christ live in our lives. Think about those things He taught in the Beatitudes, a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Think about how He told us if someone compelled us to go a mile, we'd go two. If someone smites us on one cheek, we turn him the other one. That we bless them that curse us and do good to them that despitefully use us and persecute us. Think about the lessons on humility that Jesus left for us. One of the most beautiful examples of humility is found in the 13th chapter of the Gospel according to John. Jesus had sent two of his disciples ahead to secure a place for Jesus and the twelve to eat the Passover. There was an upper room there in Jerusalem. And they assembled there. And with all the preparations that they made for that upper room, there was one thing they forgot to do. There was no servant there to wash people's feet. And remember, they wore sandals. They walked everywhere they went. And the roads of Palestine were dusty. And their feet would be tired and their feet would be dirty. And it was customary if you went into someone's home that there was a servant there. 
And in the pecking order of servants, it was the lowest of the pecking order that would wash your feet as you went into this home. Well, supper's over. There's been no one there to wash the disciples' feet. If you read the parallel accounts of that same night, you find that the twelve are sitting there at the table, eating the last Passover with Jesus. And you know what they're concerned about? They're fighting and arguing over who's the most important among them. And so while these twelve apostles are arguing about who is the most important and significant of the group, Jesus takes off his coat and he wraps a towel around his waist and he gets a basin of water. And he performs the most menial task that a servant would perform. He washes their feet. And he says to them, if I wash your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet also. It was a lesson in humility. The Spirit of Jesus needs to take hold of our lives and control them. But if we're going to take Jesus Christ seriously, we've got to see Jesus more than these things. He's more than our teacher telling us what to do. If He were only an individual ideal for us, telling us to be like Him, then we can become discouraged pretty easily. Jesus is more than that. As the Hebrew writer says about Him, He is the author of our salvation. You see, what Jesus did, none of us could have ever done. I like to imagine what the rest of the conversation would have been like. That's one of the things about the Bible. There are so many things that are not actually recorded for us that it gives me a lot of time to use my sanctified imagination and think about what might have been said. Simon looked at Jesus and he said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. I can almost see Jesus looking down at him, shaking his head and saying, Simon, Simon, it's because you're a sinful man that I've come to you. Simon, that's why I came. I came to this earth because men and women are sinful. I understand. I understand why you shrink from me. You know, a sick man is not helped when some paragon of physical perfection stands in his presence and is an ideal of health to taunt his weakness. Simon, Jesus would say, that's not the way I am. I came because you're a sinful man. But I'm the good physician. And your sickness is the reason I'm here. I didn't come to taunt you. I came to heal you. Don't take me as your teacher. Don't take me as your example. Simon, I want you to see me as your Savior. That's taking Jesus seriously. Taking Jesus seriously 
is taking Him as our Savior. If He's only our ideal or our teacher or our example, we are of all men most miserable. But if Jesus Christ is our Savior, the doors of hope begin to open for us. Remember what we read in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10? The Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. We turn to the book of Acts. We find a beautiful example about a man that learned about Jesus over in Acts chapter 8. Philip, one of the original deacons there at the Jerusalem church, when the persecution got so great, it says those in Jerusalem were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. Philip was preaching down in Samaria. There was great rejoicing among the people. But then the Spirit told Philip that there's a man traveling on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And you need to go and join yourself to his chariot. It's a man from Ethiopia. And in Acts chapter 8, Philip the evangelist meets the eunuch from Ethiopia that's been to Jerusalem to worship. And it says in Acts 8 that he was reading from the prophecies of Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before his shared is dumb, so open he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who will declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. Philip asked the man, Understandest thou what thou readest? He said, How can I except some man should show me? And Philip began at the same scripture and preached to him Jesus. Now, you know, during that preaching of Jesus, I have an idea Philip cited other New Old Testament prophecies. And I think he probably would have cited the Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah 7:14, where Isaiah would write, 600 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah said, The Lord Himself shall give you a sign. A virgin shall bring forth a son and call His name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And I have an idea that as the chariot wheels rolled along, he would have also told him about the angel visiting the young Jewish girl named Mary and telling Mary she was going to have a child and telling her what Matthew wrote as Matthew recorded Isaiah's prophecy where it says in verse 21 of Matthew 1, She shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And I have an idea, Philip said, you know, there was this young Jewish girl named Mary. And she and Joseph were going to be married, and Joseph found out she was with child, and Joseph was going to put her away. But the Holy Spirit spoke to Joseph. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. And told Joseph not to be afraid to take Mary as wife. Because Mary had a, the baby that Mary had was going to be named Jesus. And he was going to save his people from their sins. And all that was done, Matthew records for us. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And she shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. 
That's taking Jesus seriously. It's seeing Jesus not just as our example, but more than our example. Seeing Jesus as our Savior. Now maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of your life. It's simple to do. Believing in Him with all your heart and turning your back on sin through repentance, confessing His name and being buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins. That's taking Jesus seriously. That's making Him your Savior. Makes you a Christian. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Just a simple New Testament Christian. Maybe you've taken Jesus seriously in the past, but somewhere along the way, you haven't been as serious about the Lord as you should have and you need to come back to Him. I don't know what the need of your life is, but I know this. If Jesus Christ is not Lord and Master of all of your life, wait for it. He's not Lord and Master at all in your life. Are there changes you need to make in your life for Jesus to be Lord and Master of your life? If there are, and we can help you with those changes, this is your opportunity to let that be made known to us as together we stand and while we sing.